This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Oh, hello and welcome aboard the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, in Washington, night the world. I am Paul Gallant. It is Wednesday, hump day, May 12th, 2021. First off, happy birthday to my stepdad, Scott McGran. Shout out to the one and only man who brought me to Super Bowl 39, where he could watch his beloved Eagles get their butts kicked by the New England Patriots. That was a pretty cool time way back in the day. Last night was a very frustrating loss for the Seattle Mariners. Very frustrating. It's frustrating because it's not just the Mariners had a 4-1 lead in this game and Yusuke Akuchi struck out 11 guys. I I think last night's game was basically the best version of the pre-Jared Kelnick Seattle Mariners, and it ended in a gut punch. Because, look, their lineup, it's limited. You're going to continue to see Evan White struggles, I think, as long as he's in the lineup. You're going to have, I think, long stretches in the order that just aren't able to produce. You saw J.P. Crawford come back to earth a little bit at the top of the order. Basically, what you are looking for every single game is for Mitch Hanniger to do something. He did something twice, two home runs in the game, also had a nice web gem out in the field. Kyle Lewis gets a single, and that sets up Kyle Seager for a two-run homer. That's basically what this Mariners offense is going to be before Jared Kelnick eventually joins the team. So you got to make do with the four-run games. Seattle has been really scrappy with the Dodgers thus far this year, considering the Dodgers are the defending World Series champions. I do think that deserves merit. But what's frustrating is when you have this 4-1 lead and your starting pitcher, your ace right now, and you say Kikuchi goes the distance that he does and has 11 strikeouts and you're still not able to get it done – You know it, I know it. It just stinks. Could they have won last night if they had handled things a little bit differently? Maybe. The thing that I look at more than anything is just the way that the bullpen was handled in this game. It's Captain Hindsight logic to look at what happened when Yusei Kikuchi, who did have 11 strikeouts, gets pulled from the game in favor of Anthony Miskovich, and he just wasn't able to get out of the inning as cleanly as you would like. He obviously got a gift from the heavens above with the bases loaded where it looked like he walked Mookie Betts after a very stressful at-bat. But after that, what you saw was the Dodgers put two runs on the board. It's 4-3, and you're thinking, okay, well, the Mariners probably aren't going to score another run here, so it might be time for Kendall Graveman in the next inning. Rafael Montero comes in. He actually pitches pretty well, but unfortunately, as has been the case for Rafael Montero a couple of times this season, he wasn't able to keep the door closed. Gets two early outs in the eighth inning, and then all of a sudden he allows a single. He's got no two count. He hits a batter, and then some dude named Gavin Lux, who I guess was the first-round pick back in the day, went yard. And here's the pitch on the way, swinging a high fly ball into right field and deep. Hanniger going back to the one-inch track to the wall. Goodbye, baseball. Gavin Lux with a three-run home run with two outs here in the bottom of the eighth inning. And the Dodgers now have the lead, 6-4. to four. Oh, boy. Now I'm taking a look at the text line on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay, the world. 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. That shouldn't frustrate you, Paul. It's the Mariners. This is what you should expect. Paul, this is so bleeping frustrating. I've seen this horror show for many years. Uh, it goes a little bit further. 
Another texter, it's frustrating because it's the freaking Mariners. Why do y'all continue to try and get excited about a team that can't win? Criticize a Seahawks franchise that wins on a regular basis. Another texter, same old Mariners. I don't want to hear about upcoming and future. Well, upcoming and future is literally tomorrow. Allegedly. Per Jeff Passan. And I do think that the post-Jared Kelnick arrival, Seattle Mariners, might have a little more oomph and maybe can hang on to a lead like that. Hopefully. I am definitely the king of wishful thinking when it comes to the Mariners. I do think, and this is hard to do, and far be it from me, who's been here for a year and a half, to tell you, hey, like, a little patience, huh? A little patience? Because you've been patient for, like, 20 years or so. But I do think that there are some promising things legitimately right around the corner. I think we might even see Logan Gilbert this weekend, based off of that report that we saw from Ryan Divish. But, man, it's just such a sucker punch. And a, eh, more a, not a sucker punch. You knew it was coming. It's a gut punch. It's a gut punch you saw coming from a mile away, and yet you, you didn't do anything about it. Maybe it's because you're some sort of hardo who's, I guess, in the midst of some sort of Mel Gibson-esque training before doing, I don't know, a Lethal Weapon movie. You just want to be an absolute hardo. Yeah, I'm going to take this punch. I like the pain. But, ugh. I would have liked to see Kendall Graveman in that spot. I, I, I suppose it's Captain Hindsight. We're going to talk to Brandon Gustafson of 710sports.com about that decision in just a little bit. 710-710 on the text line. Scale of 1 to 10. How excited are you for Jared Kelnick? 37. Maybe even 489. I am really excited. You should be too. This guy, from everything we have seen, the power, the speed, like the only thing I'm concerned about is if the guy lifts too much. And I base this off of random conversations that I used to have with my high school, co- uh, high school uh, baseball trainer. We had a high school baseball trainer. Our baseball team was legit. And the guy was actually like an assistant from the Tampa Bay Rays. And I remember saying, like, yeah, baseball's different as far as lifting weights and stuff. The only thing I'm concerned about with Jared Kelnick is whether or not he's going to lift too much and potentially put himself at risk for injury or something like that. My question for you, why did it take Jared Kelnick just four games to graduate from AAA to the majors? We did get some responses from that on Twitter. Akalon says, you'll get to call in at 1015 about that, 206-421-3776. And you can also text in on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line, really anything, at 710-710. Right now, guys, it is 1010. This hour of the Paul Galan Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. It's time for What's Trending, brought to you by Kings Heating and Air with Maura Dooley. Good morning, afternoon, Maura. Good morning, afternoon. How are you? I am doing all right. Thirty-seven, huh? Well, you were uh, you're pretty pumped. It just needs to happen for Kelnick, yeah. I I, I wanted it to happen last year, and <laughs> I mean, I got annoying with Jerry Depoto last year about it. I, I have been less annoying about it this season, but I I really want it to take place on Thursday. I just feel like it's a moment where the team becomes relevant. You go from being, yeah, this team has been rebuilding forever. Having a guy with that kind of potential makes you relevant. It is interesting to see the, the national interest on this. It's yeah. not just a Seattle story that he's no. making his debut. No, it's more about you know the Mets and how they, they blew this. It's weird how the Mets get the attention that they do. I would get it if it was the Yankees that blew this one, but it's it's the Mets. Like this is on this is par for the course. Maybe that's why. Maybe people secretly enjoy the fact that the Mets are a never-ending sitcom of comedic errors featuring Ponzi schemes that their owners sometimes get looped into. <laughs> What's going on in the world of sports today, Mora? Well, continuing on this Kelnick topic, hopefully 
you will prevail tomorrow because it's the actual day it's supposed to happen. So I think you might be able to get an answer. It makes sense that Scott Service wasn't going to give Stacey Ross an answer when he joined Jake and Stacey yesterday because Jared Kelnick was still slated to start with the Tacoma Rainiers last night. But man, I really want to give Stacey props for her efforts here. I heard from a friend that you guys are uh, promoting Jared Kelnick and bringing him up on Thursday. Is that happening? <laughs> we have conversations all the time uh, about a number of our prospects. Scott. And, uh, you know, we've got guys that are very close to being ready to, to help us here at the major league Scott. level. So, uh, We'll, we'll continue to talk about that stuff, and then we'll get – I just got in my office here at Dodger Stadium. I'm trying to get ready to play the Dodger Stadium, you know, but uh, understand there's reports out there whatnot. But, uh, you know, my job here is to make sure our guys are ready to play tonight against a really good Dodger team, and uh, that's what I'm focused on. First off, Stacy's the best. That was hilarious. She's all of us yesterday, right? Like, yes. Come on, Scott. Yes. We just, just tell us. Just tell us. It's, it's, it's So it's day ahead of time, but uh, – I'm guessing the the head man, Jerry DePoto, is the one that's going to tell us that tomorrow morning at 8.30. Also, for anyone who has worked in sports media, I know a lot of you guys are like, oh, liberal media, and, 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 I, and I get it from time to time, honestly. I do get it. But sometimes you will hear answers, and you're like, oh, my God, shut up. Please just say what you really want to say instead of this long, cliche answer. Now, I get why they don't do it, because they don't want us to turn some small little snippet into a giant headline, because that's what we do. I mean, we talk for four hours a day. It's true. That's generally how it works. We're going to we're gonna isolate a little. I mean, a lot of my job is literally to look for things to turn <laughs> yeah, into. Yeah, yeah, more. like that. You're the, you're the enemy of, of all, these, <laughs> all these people who just won't stop talking as they filibuster on and on and on. But... Stacy is basically every single time I hear Russell Wilson talk, I, I kind of want to do it like, Russ, 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 can we actually get a little truth here? And we heard it this year from Dan Patrick, and we heard it in that Walter Payton Man of the Year press conference, too, where people pressed him, and he actually did give a little bit of an answer there. Service was laughing, having a little fun with it, though. I, I, yeah, I, I, I just got here. I'm not sure uh, well, what's going to happen today yet. It's, it's all in good fun, Maura. And uh, I, 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 I'm glad that he handled it the way that he did, and, and hopefully tomorrow... The, the, it's here. Salvation Day. Do you feel like it's Christmas Eve? I kind of do. <laughs> and we might get to see Gilbert, too. It's a good week. Yeah. Even despite that ugly loss last night. The Graz, I'm going to have to ask McGraws about something that he texted that he texted me last night. I'm going to have to ask him about something that he texted Uh-oh. me last night tomorrow when we have him on in the sports pit. Good tease. It made me very, very nervous. <laughs> All right, we are also getting to see the full NFL schedule, which will be released tonight. But, of course, it's a lot of it's all over the Internet already. Mm-hmm. We at least know the um, the week one games, and it looks like the Seahawks will be at the Colts. It's a 10 a.m. game, and for some reason you have a, a huge issue with yes. it, Yes. Oh, for some reason. That's not fair, Mora. Oh, wait, this is entirely <laughs> selfish, okay? I'm not going to tell you how to enjoy your football. And I do think it is pretty cool, the idea of waking up to football. But for me, listen, I wake up at 4.30 every morning. I barely sleep as it is because I can't because I'm an idiot and I can't get to sleep before like 12. Like last night I went to sleep at 12.15. Why? I don't know. Probably because I'm a moron. But I want a couple of days to sleep in. I'll give you that. With as early as we get up, my weekends, I'm like, don't ask me to meet you anywhere early. Yes. In football season, it's, oh, we got college football games that start at 9. And then on top of that, 
NFL games to start at 10. Okay, that's fine for the East Coast teams. But if a West Coast team is playing an East Coast team, why can't it be at 1? Why? Why can't it be a late afternoon game? It's the first week of the season they play indoors. It's not like all of a sudden it's going to get dark outside and you can't enjoy the game the same way. It's ridiculous. But it tends not that early. All you have to do is like move from the bedroom to the living room. No, I I, I can't do it that way, Maura. <laughs> I have to wake up. It takes me forever to get going. I am the slowest morning person there is. That's why I get up at 4.30 in the morning. It's not because I'm doing some like last-minute prep. I just... I get up and I'm a zombie for a good 30 minutes. I'll be just staring at nothing and not moving. Imagine being in Hawaii. I was there on vacation once for the first game of the year, and I had to get up at like 6 a.m. for football. Oh, so hard to be in Hawaii. I mean, that's rough, but like 7 a.m. football? There's not even really a night game. It's all over. 7 a.m. is Late difficult. afternoon. Yeah, that's fair. That is fair. But, uh, there. look, come on. It, come on, Indy. Help us out here. doesn't need to be a 10. Uh, also, uh, another note on that game. I am of the belief that Carson Wentz is going to have a rebound year. I don't know if he's going to be 2017 Carson Wentz again. The best time to play Carson Wentz, Frank Reich, is the first week of the season while they are still figuring things out. Because it always takes a couple of games, I think, for a team with a new quarterback to get the hang of what they're good at, what they're bad at. But look, it, uh, he has a really good offensive line in front of him. And as for some quarterback who holds onto the football to the degree that he always has for his whole career... He has Michael Pittman. We'll see if Michael Pittman in his second year is a little bit better. T.Y. Hilton. I'm curious if that Seahawks defense actually did take a step forward down the stretch last year because they played a bunch of ham sandwich quarterbacks. There is one last story that I want to get to. I will save it until the very end of the show. I'm very excited about the return of something from my childhood, but it's for adults this time around. I am really, really excited about this. All right, guys. It's the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay, the world. I can't wait for all of you guys roasting me for being a whiny little baby and not getting up at 10 in the morning. I don't want to get up at 10 in the morning. Let me sleep in just just two days. Come on. It's not that hard to ask. It's all about me. Again, 206-421-3776-710-710 is how you text in. So two questions on the table for you. One, why did it take Jared Kelnick just four games to graduate from AAA to the majors? And two, I feel blank about the Seahawks opening the season against the Colts. It's all on the table, and it's your chance to be heard. Your voice, your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. 710, 710. Excitement level for Jared Kelnick. Here are some responses. One person says 8.1. Another person from the 253 says 10. The 541 actually increased his score from an 8.1 to an 8.3. One bite, everybody knows the rules. One texter says two out of ten. What's wrong with you? Two out of ten? How how beaten down by this team are you if you're saying two out of ten? This is the most exciting thing that's happened to the Mariners in a really long time. And perhaps that's hyperbolistic coming from somebody who has only been here for a year and a half. But come on. When's the last time that they've had someone with this kind of potential? Making his debut. Are you really going to try to tell me that uh, Dustin Ackley, Mike Zanino had that had that same kind of appeal? Maybe uh, Justin Smoke. Justin Smoke was what a, a, a top ten uh, prospect, if I'm not mistaken. So, all right, maybe you point at Justin Smoke, but this guy, he's fast, he's strong, he hits for power, he's confident. There's a lot to like here, and I'm I'm really excited about that. Some other texts, 710. 
710. Hey, Paul, there's a new invention you should check out. It's called a DVR. Well, a couple of things here. First up, I cannot watch a, a sports game on DVR. I can't because I know that the future has already taken place, and I want to watch the game in the actual moment. This is a weird, superstitious thing of mine. I'm not superstitious, but I am a little stitious, if that makes sense. I don't like knowing that the game is not in the present. I've actually watched games before at friends' houses, and they'll do the DVR thing, the back and forth, back and forth. And I'm like, wait a second, no, let's go to, let's go to real time. Because I feel like if I'm not watching in the moment, even though it's already taken place, it's usually on a 10-second delay when the broadcast actually comes onto your television, I, 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 I can't miss it. And when you're on Twitter all the time, too, you, DVR, that's, that's not a thing that you do. Uh, text in. Justin Smoke was not close to this. L-O-L. Okay. Okay. Listen, people, I'm just, just putting things out there. 206-421-3776. Let's go to Everett and Jason on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington. Nay, the world. Jason, what's going on, man? Paul, how you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, I I think Jared coming up, everyone's worried about him coming up too early. I feel great about it. And I think as far as him coming up too early, the way this kid's confidence is, they feel like they're not going to wreck it even if he comes up and doesn't do well. I just I think there's no downside to it. And the way the Mariners are hitting right now, why not bring him up? Yeah. And I mean, Jason, that should not be the reason that they make a decision like this. No, but I agree. I'm with you on the confidence side of things. And I don't know if you've ever had a friend who's just ridiculously over the top confident about anything. I know that I am definitely not that person. I second guess myself on pretty much anything that I do. But there's always a person like that in your life. Where you're like, wait a second. Why is he confident? Some of these people like have no reason to be actually confident, but you still respect them for being confident, huh? And and I just I just think that they wanna they wanna test him at this level and even yeah. if he does well they may they may send him back down. They may just wanna see where he's at. Yeah. Um even if he does well. And I feel great about the Seahawks opening up against Indy. Um we got we got a lot of good pieces with the limited draft that we have that I'm excited about. Dwayne Eskridge being a big part of that. And I just wanna see what this wide receiver core can do. Yeah, and and with Eskridge aboard, there's going to be a lot of options for Russ. That is a perfect place, and appreciate the phone call, Jason, as far as your testing grounds with the new offense with Shane Waldron. Nothing better than doing it indoors, though it is early in the year, and there's a part of me that maybe feels like if you could do this on any surface in the world, would you want to do it on artificial turf, field turf, what they have in Indianapolis now, or with all the rubber pellets and stuff, or would you want to actually do it on grass? But whatever the case, it's going to be a fast track, and – we know how fast the Seahawks are, and we know how good they looked in the season opener on the road in a dome against the Atlanta Falcons last season. I mean, goodness gracious, they were absolutely terrifying in that game. <laughs> Text in. This is a great one. Again, if you insult me, you're going to get to cut to the front of the line on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You lazy bleep. This is about me not wanting to get up at 10 in the morning. Just get up in the morning. You realize you're on the morning show, right? No, I actually, I actually didn't know that. Maybe you can join Bob and Dave, you sleepy little turd. <laughs> Listen, I'm just not a morning person, which is ironic, right? Because I am the host of a morning radio show that is broadcast all across the greater Seattle and Washington area. But yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird way to uh, live a life. It involves a lot of this, a lot of coffee. Not very good coffee, might I add. <clears throat> you know, we get a TV in studio, finally, but can't get better coffee. 
I mean, honestly, it feels like feels like some people are relenting here. You know, I, I thought there was this big war between <laughs> Dave Wyman and the man about a TV in studio. We had the TV in studio now. So how about we get some coffee? Huh? Yes, please. <laughs> HR. <In> Seattle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Laura, come on. Uh, some other texts in as far as excitement levels about Jared Kelnick. I'm a 10 on the excitement scale. So take what I said about smoke with that in mind. How about that? Another text. This is from a person who is frustrated with the fact that Dustin Ackley was the number two pick. We've seen this before. I'm a fan, but you have to realize this fan base is so cynical and for good reason. Yeah, I get it. Uh, you got to show me something before I get excited. Four out of ten. Man, it's got to be more at four. You got to be more than a four. I feel like you got to be over a five at the very least, no matter how jaded you are about this. And I get, and I get being jaded right now. Another text. Remember, we just came off a rookie of the year season with Kyle Lewis. Nine of ten. Yeah, an unexpected one. Uh, another text. You stink, Paul. I get up at three every day and have three kids. You know what? <laughs> I have no room to complain if that's the case. I hope that you get sleep in on the weekend, sir. I am Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, in Washington, nay, the world. One of the, I think, more frustrating moments in last night's game was the way that Scott Service used his bullpen. And I feel like there were a couple of spots where he probably should have put Kendall Graveman in. Did he handle things right last night? We're going to talk with Brandon Gustafson of 710sports.com, one of our great baseball minds here, about that moment and what realistic expectations are for one Jared Kelnick tomorrow. Don't go anywhere. It's the Paul Gallant Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. It's 1030. And that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness, you're going to get your, you're going you're to fail. With Paul Gallant. And joining us in the sports pit from 710sports.com on the Issaquah Pass Control Hotline, it is the one, the only, Brandon Gustafson. Brandon, what's going on, buddy? Hey, Paul, how you doing, man? I, I, I've been better. Last night was depressing, uh, as I'm sure you would uh, agree <laughs> with me. On that front, and and, and you, yep. you you made some interesting points about I think the easiest thing to criticize this morning, and it's basically after Yusei Kikuchi's awesome start where he has eleven strikeouts, he ran into a jam in the seventh inning, and all of a sudden the Mariners had a choice to make. Kendall Graveman hasn't pitched since Friday. They decide to go with Anthony Miskovitz, and then and they go with Rafael Montero the next inning, and things got out of hand a little bit. And you, you made an interesting point, though. Like where where do you stand, basically, on how things were handled last night by the Mariners as they went to the bullpen? Yeah, so the, the thing that I was really trying to point out on Twitter is that Scott Service, at this point right now, he has three top arms in his bullpen. There, Kendall Graveman, who's been one of the best relievers in baseball. And then the other two, you know, whether people like it or not, have been Anthony Masevich and Rafael Montero. Um Looking back on it, initially I was of the mind that I thought Graveman should have pitched the eighth inning, but the more I thought about it, the more I looked back. Uh, bringing in Misevich when they did um, against a few right-handed hitters uh, like Mookie Betts, and they had the they, uh, pinch hit for the pitcher spot there. I think it went to A.J. Pollock, which obviously the Mariners couldn't know who they were going to go with. But eventually, you know, when Misevich got in there, he's facing a few right-handed hitters, so you'd think that with multiple runners on, key situation like that, you'd want to get Graveman the ball. And Graveman is somebody who's been extremely effective, both right-handed and left-handed hitters. 
so, yeah, getting Masevich up against uh, Corey Seager, who's been one of the best hitters on the planet over the last two years, you know, you can see that just from a pure matchup standpoint, but Graveman is still the team's best pitcher. But, again, the, looking back at bullpens, it's all hindsight. You never know yeah. what goes into it. Some guys aren't going to be available day in and day out. Uh, Kendall Graveman is somebody who's in his first full year as a reliever, even though he hasn't pitched since Friday. Uh, it could be something where they're trying to manage his workload. Like you pointed out on Twitter, the guy had the neck injury last year. That's what kind of started this uh, this whole transition into him being a full-time reliever. It's not as cut and dry as day in and day out. Every guy has a set role. There's different things that go into it, and a lot of that is stuff that we just don't have access to or know on a day-to-day basis. But, yeah, obviously the bullpen didn't do its job yesterday. But still, they've been one of the better bullpens throughout all of this year. Guys are going to have their hiccups, unfortunately, for the Mariners. Two of their top guys had hiccups in the in the same game in back to back innings. It happened. Yeah, and it it does seem to happen a lot with Rafael Montero. I would say, as far as just from a viewing standpoint, that I tend to feel about as uneasy as I used to while watching The Office and seeing Michael Scott come on screen. And sometimes while Michael Scott was on screen while watching The Office, I would change the channel because I was so uncomfortable. But Montero hasn't been bad. Is there a better spot where they should be using him? And last night is a weird example with him because he puts out the flames in the seventh. He has a great open to the eighth where he gets the first two guys out. Then he allows a single. He has an 0-2 count. He hits a batter. And then after that, he gives up the home run. And once again, he is the bad version of a goat at the end of the game. Is there a better way that they could be using him? You know, probably not, especially when you look at that bullpen in general is pretty unproven. Um, Rafael Montero, even though he's pretty young and doesn't have that much MLB experience, he's one of the more experienced and proven guys in that bullpen. And he's somebody who, from the beginning of the year onward, it's been pretty evident that Scott Service likes his stuff and trusts him in big moments. Um, Going in there, like you said, he he came in the seventh, he got the job done, he got out of the inning comes in in the eighth inning, it's a clean inning, he gets two quick outs, he, you know, gives up the single, then he has the guy 0-2 with two outs, and he just spiked the slider. It happens, and, and unfortunately, he left, the, he left the ball middle in, and the guy drives it out of the ballpark. That's going to happen in baseball. It is what it is. I think that, uh, you know, going in in a clean inning makes a lot of sense, you know, it makes a lot of sense to keep a kind of guy like that out there, especially because he hasn't been as sharp, probably, as the Mariners would have hoped for, but He's somebody that service trusts a lot. He's going to be in there in late innings, whether that's seventh, eighth, or ninth, kind of depending on the lineup situation and what they want to do with Kendall Graveman. Obviously, it seemed like they wanted to keep Graveman for the ninth if that was going to be the move. Um, but, yeah, I think overall, Scott Service's management of the bullpen has not been as bad as people are trying to make it out to be. He really does have limited resources out there despite the team's success. It's been carried mostly by two or three guys. Brandon Gustafson of 710sports.com on the Issaquah Pest Control Hotline. You want to be following Brandon for all things Mariners, but all things Seattle sports as well. You do a great job at the website, my friend. Uh, about the bullpen, we've seen a couple of bullpen starts, and now the Mariners' rotation is kind of in a spot where they might be asking the bullpen to do bullpen starts multiple times over you know the period of a six-man rotation. Do you expect, and we're seeing some reports about the possibility of Logan Gilbert, but maybe not do you expect. If you were the Mariners, would you decide to bring Logan Gilbert up this weekend? It's tough because, personally, I think that he's one of their five or six best pitchers. And when you look at it just from purely that perspective, 
then, yeah, the guy should be up in the big leagues. That's the conversation that we had about Jared Kelnick back in spring training, right? Is Jared Kelnick one of the three best outfielders on the roster? Unfortunately, uh, he got hurt, even though he probably was and is one of the three best outfielders on the roster. Uh, and Gilbert's kind of in the similar thing. But they've, they've stressed all along that they are preaching process with this. And something with Gilbert is he was the guy who most of us thought was going to be the first big prospect up this year. A lot of us thought that he was going to be up above Jared Kelnick once both of them started the season in the minor leagues. But they've really played the slow game with Gilbert. They're really ramping him up. We saw some of the numbers down when he was in Arizona before AAA started. He went from 40 pitches to, I think it was like 71 in his last outing, and they're just kind of slowly but surely ramping him up. They're really being careful with his innings and his pitch count because they want this guy to be pitching in September, and it doesn't sound like they want to be skipping starts with him. So uh, they could bring him up and still manage his innings, maybe skip a spot in the rotation here and there when you have a day off and you can kind of go back to a five-man rotation. But, yeah, I totally understand where they're coming from with the pitching perspective of building these guys up slow, especially when there was no minor league season last year, 60-game season, and we just really aren't that privy to how much work these guys got in and how built up they got down in the alternate site last year. That's why we didn't see Jared Kelnick last season. We are going to see him, it seems like, on Thursday, allegedly, per one Jeff Passan. And I'm very curious as to why it was just four games that it took for the Mariners to determine that he was ready at the AAA level. That is not a lot of time at that AAA level. I'm curious as to what you've seen, because I know you pay attention to the minors unlike any other. What is it, do you think, that he proved over that four-game stretch? Because... I'm always of the mindset that the Pacific Coast League is one of those leagues where offense seems to thrive. I base this more off of my time in Houston, but I can see why Kelnick would hit so well. Maybe they're trying to challenge him a little bit more, but what do you think he did over these last four games that got Jerry DePoto to believe that he's ready for the majors? Well, something that you hear about with the Mariners, whether it's Jerry DePoto or Scott Service or Andy McKay, who's the director of player development, is they, when they're looking at prospects, they're not always necessarily looking at the numbers, but they're looking for the challenge element, right? And you kind of hit on that. And I, I think that what it was was when they were down in Arizona still waiting for the minor league season to start, they saw a lot of Jared Kelnick, and he was putting up good numbers. He's regularly getting hits. He's hitting home runs, doing everything that you expect of Jared Kelnick to do. So I bring him up to AAA, and – Obviously, he had the really fast start. Hitting, uh, hitting two home runs on opening day is, uh, is pretty spot on for who he seems to be as a competitor and really just as a performer in general. But I think, that, uh, I, I think that what they saw down there was that he just really wasn't being challenged like they would have hoped. And he saw uh, one of the big things was they, they kept saying, oh, well, we want to see him more against left-handed pitching. Well, he goes out there and he faced a decent amount of left-handed pitching from the games that I saw. And one of those guys was Mackenzie Gore, who's the top pitching prospect in all of baseball. He's the Padres' top prospect. And he more than held his own. He's put up great numbers, getting multiple hits every game. He's playing good defense. He's running the base as well. He's hitting for power. He's hitting, hitting for average. He's going the other way. I just think at, at, at that point, they just kind of looked at it and said, okay, this is a guy who is not being challenged like we need. And the next step is obviously the MLB level. And it kind of works out at a good time where, as Jerry Depoto's told you and Danny O'Neill on Danny and Gallant, he's uh, he wanted to kind of reevaluate the roster after 30 or 40 games. We're we're at that point. We're right between 30 and 40 games. It's the perfect time to kind of reevaluate everything and see what's going on. And I think that yeah, Kelnick is just at this point. He needs to be challenged more. 
And uh, he's one of the three best outfielders on the roster. He's probably one of the five or six best hitters on the roster at this point, too. He needs to be up. He is Brandon Gustafson at the B-G-U-S-T-A-F-S-O-N on Twitter. You want to be following him for all things Mariners baseball, but also for perhaps some NFL schedule news because you've been putting things together quite nicely, and I appreciate that, Brandon, because that's what we're going to end up talking about next. You have yourself a wonderful Wednesday. Hey, thanks. You too, Paul. Enjoy Kellnick's debut tomorrow. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. 492 on the scale of 10 uh, as far as excitement goes. He is Brandon Gustafson, everybody. Okay, up next, we know the Seahawks are opening the season against the Indianapolis Colts. I'll tell you what we think we know about the rest of the Seahawks' schedule. Actually might have, uh, let's see, seven more games figured out, allegedly. And on top of that, something from my childhood and maybe your childhood that's coming back, and it's going to be so awesome. I'll tell you what that is next. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle. It is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle and Washington, nay, the world. 710-710. Got a lot of texts about excitement levels for Jared Kelnick's debut tomorrow. Four out of ten. Four out of ten. Same old M's. Jeez. The sun shines out. At least, at least get to a 5.1 or above. That's all I'm asking for. I'd say 10, but as a Mariners fan, all I can do is a 6. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, still getting uh, roasted for my um, lack of desire to get up early and watch football games. I don't care. You're not changing my opinion on that one. Also, uh, Maura Dooley, I, I heard that we had a call into the uh, Paul Galancho complaint line. It's a new line that we have uh, just added, and I'm, I'm sure you're just thrilled to take this call off the air. Uh, what was the latest complaint on the Paul Galancho complaint line? Uh, yeah, that's not normally what I see that line as, but we did have a gentleman call during your interview with Brandon and say to tell Paul to knock off the air horns is really annoying and to tell Danny to stop repeating everything. Well, I, do, I couldn't tell if he was saying everything he says or you say. I think everything you say. It's good that he repeats everything I say. First off. Second off. Whir, 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 whir. Not happening. Okay. Uh, we got that out of the way. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll grow up, but it's not going to be now. Here is what we know about the Seahawks' schedule thus far. Allegedly, we know. Check that. We do know this for certain. The Seahawks are going to open up the season against the Indianapolis Colts. A 10 a.m. game against Carson Wentz, his first game as the quarterback now for Indianapolis. That'll be a tough game, I think. I I do feel pretty good about Seattle in week one against the Colts. And Carson Wentz still figuring out, I imagine, that Indianapolis offense, getting used to Frank Reich again. Here is what we allegedly know. And Brandon Gustafson, who was just on with us, compiled a list of what the tea leaves are at the very least saying. So, at the very least right now, we think there are four primetime games for Seattle. Week five, they host the Rams Thursday night football, it sounds like. Week seven, they host the Saints Monday night football, it sounds like. Week 12, at Washington football team, that's a Monday night football game. Week 13, the home game against the 49ers, Sunday night football. Also, what we think we know. They play the Vikings this year. They're going to take on the Vikings early, that per sources who are leaking these schedules out. It's funny. The NFL tries to coordinate the schedule release, and it all gets out well before what's supposed to be out today at, what, like 2 o'clock or something like that. 
Uh, the Vikings are week three, so that means Kirk Cousins. The Seahawks are going to go to Minnesota. That's a, that is a tough place to play if there are crowds back. That's a that's a loud stadium that kills birds, I guess, because the roof is made of glass and the the birds, I guess, see the field as something that they can fly down to, and they just fly into the glass and boom, splat. Uh, week sixteen, allegedly, they'll host the Bears. I bet Justin Fields will be under center by that game. Second, third, last game of the season. If he's not week one, your starter in Chicago, definitely I would imagine by then. And week 18, it sounds like they'll wrap up the season in Glendale, taking on the Cardinals in the cursed stadium. So uh, that's a little concerning. So uh, that's what we know right now. We'll find out more details as the day goes along. What you do definitively know is that the Seahawks open up the season in Indianapolis against the Colts. Okay, guys. I'm really excited about this. To me, this is like a sports show. I know it's technically not actually sports, but this was one of the best shows on TV when I was a kid. You get a little ambience, more dually behind the glass. So if you don't know the theme song that's playing right now, see this 90s banger of a jam? Legends of the Hidden Temple has been revived and it's going to be a competition for adults people my age on the cw i can't wait the fun part about this show was even though there would be just some random kids that were given t-shirts of different colors with different names like the silver snakes or the purple parrots there actually was like some franchise prestige with these t-shirts I enjoyed that the Silver Snakes were essentially the Yankees of Legends of the Hidden Temple. And I really like that the Orange Iguanas were a bunch of choke artists. As were the Purple Parrots. For those who don't know what the show is all about, it's basically like an obstacle course. And it was really funny to watch, especially now if you go back and watch it, it's really funny to watch kids that were my age back in the day like just completely fail as they stumble across one of these obstacle courses. I'm excited for it. And I wonder what the adult twist on Legends of the Hidden Temple will be. To me, though, guys, that is sports, much like Nickelodeon Guts. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Paul Gallant Show today. We appreciate our callers. We appreciate our texters. You are, after all, what makes this the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, in Washington, nay, the world. Brandon Gustafson, who stopped by earlier in the sports pit. And, of course, the one and only Maura Dooley, who produces this show every single day. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long. Farewell. Jake and Stacy are next. Danny and I will be back at you tomorrow morning at 7.